Washington, clear. Southwest 8504. Southwest 8504. Martin, do you have our uh, flight plan off, or do we need to uh, have dispatch refile for it? Welcome, everyone, to the next episode of Telerotor RC Podcast. This is episode one, the actual first full episode. Uh, I'd like to thank everyone who uh, has been listening and uh, giving us feedback. It's been uh, pretty exciting. With that, uh, we're going to go into uh, what we did since last uh, last episode. Uh, DePaulo, evening. Oh, good. I guess I'm first. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, well, I know Monty was there, but we had to do a proper Thornburg. None of us have any idea what we're doing moment with new year's and uh, what was it eight degrees outside something like that i think we might have broke the six. thermometer station six six, six oh, with okay. wind chill awesome yep. i know i saw at least eight without so yeah everything was frozen um i probably ruined a couple battery packs <laughs> one of the lights stopped working on the light tower it was so cold so i gotta go replace that battery or that, that light bulb but yeah we uh got everything out helis jets all sorts of dumb things and flew all of them on New Year's and I was flying a Nitro Heli into the New Year. Pretty sure the exact same thing as last year and the year before that because the N7 doesn't die somehow. <laughs> uh, Digger almost hit me with a big foam plane. Justin almost crashed when a cannon went off. So pretty standard Thornburg stuff. Yep. I think something something bowling balls will be happening at some point so that'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> because Thornburg. Yep. Well, Shaggy, you were there. Oh there yeah. Was. Yeah. I was there after. Uh, I didn't work that day, so no. I, I yeah, I got there later that day. He was around though. Yeah. Definitely. I think you all got more flights than I did that day. I uh, I got there in the evening and it was just cold. I was not looking forward to the flying. You didn't miss anything. It was that the whole time. <laughs> All day <laughs> and night. It got to the point where you're dealing with, it's cold, and that's all I can feel. So now it's really just, how long does it take me to actually die in this cold now? <laughs> I, actually, the- I, I actually got to the point where I, I went and looked up the the temperature properties for triflow <laughs> and found out we were in the range for pretty much it to start freezing. It was... wow. Nice. It was it was too cold. The helis weren't enjoying it. Um, yeah, the telemetry stopped me before I ruined any batteries. I need to go look up what M Pro Seven says is the coldest you can use it. Uh, I'm interested to hear. <laughs> I mean, it's gun oil, so it should be good. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Uh, anything else, Mike? I thought uh, you were no, you were playing with that 3D printer. Did you get any, what'd you get printed up? Everybody and their cousin was asking me for things the whole week I was in Virginia. Uh, I don't know, a couple different heli parts. Some guy needed a, a 600 electric battery tray that probably hasn't been made in 10 years. That got made. That was fun trying to reverse engineer the cat on that. Which is also a wink-wink, nudge-nudge to any aligned people hanging around. That, hey, you know, if you got a CAD file that may be around for a heli that hasn't been made in a decade, that'd be cool. Make my life easier. <laughs> I mean, no one's going to miss that. Um, there's a goblin here that's getting fixed. Someone had a very bad time with an engine. Yeah. That'll get fixed. All the parts are in for that bad boy, so... A very happy person who... 
maybe a ninja will be getting his awesome helicopter back and we'll be able to properly school the man on how not to explode nitro motors and his dad will be very happy oh you yeah. talking about oh <laughs> i was talking with i was talking with uh i was talking with the ninjas and he got some uh he's been getting some good solid education when he's visiting ohb oh yeah oh yeah i'm sure i'm sure there was some ragging where's your heli man i blew it up <laughs> i think he had some fun down there oh yeah yeah short of that not too much else cool how about you, like Shaggy? to blow up a nitro engine. <laughs> well, it's kind of a induction into the club is start it, run it, blow it up, go get another one, and try again. Try yeah. again. <laughs> Quarter size hole in the piston is always uh fun. Man. And I now did it's all on that a, on my chunky on little RC cars. Yeah, mine was RC cars too. Monty and I got out of our systems with cheap stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have done that with a nitro engine or two. Hard on a uh, motor. With the uh, so any anything else you did before that uh, the last uh, the last episode, Shaggy? Uh, quite a bit. Um, we got time for this because it might be a while. Uh, so basically, one thing I did is uh, well, I basically been flying every day till the end of the year. So uh, the Goblin Fireball that I have, uh, freaking brick, but uh, flies great at five thousand RPM. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I've been I uh I got that back on when they first came out. Uh seven seventeen seventeen is my first maiden flight on that, and uh, at the end of the year I hit a hundred flights on it. So I um, I flew my hundredth flight earlier that day, um, and then I was thinking like I want to get my flight time uh, not count but flight time really high. So I started uh I started taking the four twenty out at six degrees, and um, Going at a 2100 RPM on the 420, uh, hovering in my yard, doing uh, my sportsman hovering maneuvers, just just practicing that. And of course, with five to ten mile per hour wind gusts, uh, my fingers were numb, and that's with gloves on. <laughs> so that was uh, those were some really like brutal flights. Uh, trying to, I was wanting to try to get the flight count up a little bit, just to kind of set a, um, you know, set a. A goal or something like that to try to achieve for uh, this year um, and also I really need to start practicing those uh, those maneuvers so I, I, I basically did like 11 12 minute flights on the 420 just practicing the, the hurry maneuvers just non-stop uh, and then of course later that night I went over to uh, uh, Thornsburg and flew some more underneath the light tower uh, flew the 420, another flight, and then the Fireball, I think five more flights. So I think I ended the year with 105. Uh, freaking cold. Yeah. <laughs> freaking cold. Uh, coldest I've ever flown, probably the coldest I ever want to fly in. Because, uh, like you guys mentioned, any colder and you start getting lubrication uh, stuff, starting to grease and all that stuff starting to freeze up. Uh, I wonder how that would be like to have ice inside your, your rotor head and stuff. That'd be interesting. It's cold. That that would be very interesting, actually, to see that. It's kind of cold when you're... So... But... You know it's cold when you have to take your... You know it's cold when you gotta take your stupid jet inside because it will not start outside. <laughs> oh, yeah. Same thing with the nitro. It was at that moment I realized, oh, dude, my nitro started fine. I was like, you just run it, prime it, let it glow for five seconds, starts right up, no problems. That's true. The jet, though, I got to stand there and look like an idiot in the cold waiting for the whole thing to burn down from unburnt fuel. 
<laughs> I literally had to go inside the clubhouse like a fool, sit there with a heat gun and wait 10 minutes and still didn't want to start. So that was great. Oh, that's always fun. <laughs> I look like a dumbass. I'm like, this is one more reason why I don't want a turbine helicopter. Yeah. Oh, that would be cool, though. You got a turbine plant, cool. good enough. It does the same thing as a nitro, though. It's got more power, but that's yeah, about it. But it sounds cooler. All right, I'll give you that. It, it does sound pretty cool. Saw an old video of uh, I can't remember who was flying, but they were flying. It was back back in like seven years ago, a TRX 700 with a turbine in it, and uh, that was that yeah, was awesome. Yeah, there's a couple German dudes awesome to throw down. Video. It was it was just sport, you know. I mean, well, I guess like more uh, F3N style flying, but it was it was pretty cool. And he did one like punch out where he, uh, he overspe uh, overspeeded the motor. I don't know if I had one, I would be able to help myself. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, it's nothing like taking a $3,000 helicopter with a turbine in it. Actually, it's probably 3000 just for the turbine and trying to go lower and cut grass. Yeah, fun. But, yeah, just to end it up for the week, though, flew a bunch on um, the fireball at night on the lights, uh, finished up with flying into the new year, uh, forgot that uh, Digger was going to fire the cannon even after he yelled fire in the hole completely forgot, realized that I was 20 feet away from the cannon, and then kaboom. Almost crashed my fireball. It almost became a fireball. <laughs> that was basically it. Uh, flew it again once in the in the new year, and uh, one thing I gotta say is, that air was so thick, and so amazing. Yeah, I uh, I took a picture and posted it on Facebook of the, of the density altitude with the temperature, and uh, what was it? I think it was about negative thirty-one hundred. Was it was negative three thousand something? Let's let's see. I mean, I thirty-three fifty-three. Yep, negative three thousand three hundred and fifty-three feet. So our helis were basically uh, acting like they were below sea levels for for flying. Um, yeah, my blades, my my usually my heli's not that noisy, but in in that thick of air, I could climb upright and inverted, and the heli was was making noise. Now you see why I always look depressed when I'm at Urcha, and I look at my phone and I see 2,100 feet DA, and just the whole day I'm just moping around, just sad. <laughs> and everyone knows the reason why now, because yeah. Thornburg regularly gets zero or below. Yeah, it's uh, uh you know that's interesting when we 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 get out to Urcha, and I usually have to adjust my hovering pitch to um, to keep the helicopter hovering at mid stick, but I'll get into that a little later. Yeah, since the last episode for me, I, I, I did the three flights to finish out the year. I was just looking at the stats for the year. I think I got, well, it's not I think, it is I know. I did 440 flights. I was nice. um, I was at a flying field 83 times last year, and uh, I crashed three times. <laughs> um, I only had three times. Yeah, only three times. I had a total flight time of 64 hours. Um, which averaged out to be about eight minutes and 45 seconds, uh, every flight, uh, flight time. So my flight counts a little lower than most who get less flight time, but yeah, I enjoy the flight time more than the count. Um, it was a little less than 2016 for me, but only by a little under an hour. So I usually fly with glow sticks. The guys know it. I zip tie glow sticks on my helis for flying at night, along with uh, I run, um, you know, night blades. I run rail night blades, tail and mains. Uh, it was crazy. The glow sticks, the the chemical reaction was actually uh, when I went outside and they got cold, they actually got dimmer. Uh, when I went back inside, the glow sticks would get brighter, and even the batteries and the tail blades. I put I popped I popped in some brand new batteries and. 
they were they were dim outside too just because of the temperature that temperature was was brutal to batteries it was brutal to everything um, i did get my one flight in for 2018 and uh i'll get a couple more flights in january if weather permits um but for me i'm moving into maintenance season it's it's time to get some maintenance done to the helis um you said you wanted to talk about flight count real quick what you got shaggy for this year, it was my first time doing uh, the rchaley.club uh, login thing. Usually when I do login, I always just check mark. But this time, it was the first time I just got serious with, uh, with the logging. So, like you said, um, you got, what was it, 64 hours you, you put on? Yes. Yeah, so I got about half that with 33.5 hours. Uh, 466 flights, uh, 192 sessions total, and uh, 15 crashes. Instead of your lucky three. But again, most of those were, I think 10 or no, 12 of those were actually 180 crashes. So I guess they don't really technically count. I know two of them <laughs> was the E7 SE and one of them was a fireball. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yep. So that's what I got there. Average flight time for all that was four minutes and 18 seconds. Uh, I'm guessing yours, Rob, was in the like 10 range, something like that. No, it was it was eight. eight it was eight. Okay. Yeah. But one feature I really like about this, probably the most out of this um, this website here, is average wind speed. So you type in the wind speed that you um, basically flown on. And I didn't fly at all in January of, of 2017, but I flew uh, a little bit in February uh, and then, of course, progressed further on. And by this result here, February and March are the windiest times of the year that I've flown at, averaging about 11.3 to 11.6 uh, miles per hour. And then July is the lowest at 1.5 miles per hour. And then the rest of it averages between 3 to 4.95 miles per hour. So it's actually pretty cool uh, to be able to see this, this fluctuation. Uh, and so you can be able to see uh, the, the windiest times of the year and everything, which February and March in this, in this area usually always is the windiest time of the year because that's when the temperatures are changing. You get a bunch of different crap going around. Yeah, good time to do autos. <laughs> yeah actually it is yeah so it's actually a re really cool um I, I really like this this website here uh that explains the breakdown of your flights yeah no i i do enjoy the breakdown to see everything because i use it for tracking maintenance on specific items um haven't tracked the wind too much i know richard and i conversed through his website and he updated the code for wind choices to include mile per hour because before it didn't include a speed and it was kind of a rough guesstimate we just like it was calm or it was windy <laughs> but yeah since he had it in the uh, mile per hour i can see it and i almost uh after we got the weather station the club i i feel like i've been selecting uh lower wind values that i was guessing before so it's good to see what we've been flying in very nice um, yep so next up is some uh heli news <laughs> RC Heli News. And the interesting thing is uh, January is sometimes a dead time of year for news. I know I think uh, uh, the two things we have down here is uh, Ben Storick and Alan Zabo have videos out of them flying the uh, newly, newly released Alliance 700 XN. So I caught some of those videos, uh, both of them flying in Vegas. And uh, yeah, the Heli was looking real nice. Heli was looking real nice. And it's always great to see both of them flying. Historic flying a nitro. <laughs> That's unheard of. The sad part is he's in Vegas with the DA is like a million. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Come to Virginia. 
Oh, he's when he's visited Virginia before. I've talked to him about. He's it. gonna turn all his rates down. Yeah, he turns his rates down because uh, the, the hell he's getting bite. <laughs> it, it moves. Yeah, I remember when I lived uh, when I lived in the Mojave Desert, uh, about two hundred miles west of uh, Vegas. Um, when I drive my car from from uh, the beach down in uh, San Diego back home, you could instantly tell the power was gone, and that was even with a fuel injected car. <laughs> um, next piece is uh started seeing videos show up today of uh the Spectrum iX12. So that'll be interesting to see a lot of those videos pop up and people going through things. I think uh the one guy uh one guy I saw post a video. He was uh, posted a picture of him watching a video on his transmitter about that the transmitter. Cool. <laughs> oh wait, that was wait. Cool. You know what that means. I don't oh, know no. what that means. It's <laughs> you know what it means. You know, uh, we did list this podcast as explicit, but I'm not going that far. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I was going to say that it does appear that you can, in fact, visit some of the more explicit parts of the internet with your radio. Oh jeez! Um, as or or as I was always wanting to do, I could just not leave the flight line and order parts before I go pick up my wreck off the off the field. Yeah, man. Roll the dice, buy it, and then see what you actually crash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I gamble here. Step out on the, step out on the flight line, make an order for a new kit, and then start the flight. <laughs> yeah, that's a good. This one's gonna be a recap. I can feel it. You order real quick, my radio. Mm, yeah. No fear. Already a new kit in the mail. <laughs> Smash it and pull out another man. That's why you've got a golf bag. Oh man. Um. Don't judge. You know you'd do it. <laughs> I, I bet you people will do it, too, just because they can. Uh, perhaps. Perhaps. I, You know, I, I don't wish a crash on anyone, but as usual, we don't want to miss one. Right on. Um, I will say, if, uh, if folks have other heli news, hit us up on Facebook or private message us, and uh, I will happily look to add it to the show notes. Uh, anyone else have some heli news before we close out the section? Um, I guess about it, honestly. Yeah, it's it's January. Been living under a rock, mate. Yeah, that and I didn't want to go digging too far back in the news that's been talked about in, in other uh, other shows and things that people already probably caught up on. So, did you see that picture in the AMA magazine with Rob's? Oh, never mind. That's sort of been. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> Don't want to talk about that. That's the best image. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe one episode we'll, we'll 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 actually towards the end of this episode we'll discuss it because uh, wait we'll discuss better. it towards the end of this episode, Mike. Because guess what? <laughs> this episode deals with competition. Oh no! Competition. Not that again. Yeah, this episode. So it rolls us into the main topic. Uh, one thing that um. A couple of years ago, it actually was it was about the time I was getting interested in flying helis. Uh, I was racing RC cars still, and uh, I enjoy competition. Uh, so I was like, I, I want to compete with helicopters. Um, I started flying helicopters, 3D helicopters, in 2011. Uh, come 2014, I well, it was actually it was fall of 2013. I said I want to I want to do competition, and at that time. Um, really for competition in the United States is, is F3C, uh, Foxtrot 3 Charlie. And, um, 
That flying style is recognized worldwide by an organization, uh, FAI, uh, Federation Aeronautical International. Um, but here in the U.S., we have uh, some lower classes as well that uh, new pilots can start in and grow in as, as they uh, get more skilled in their flying. So I reached out to a, a local friend here um, who's been flying since, what, what's Bob been flying, Mike, since the late 70s, early 80s? You mean the 1800s? <laughs> we are talking about Bob Harris, right? We are talking about Bob Harris. Okay, yeah, definitely. Yeah. He's probably got some fossils kicking around his basement. Oh, uh, I don't think that place has a basement, being he's right next to a uh, right next to uh, tributaries for uh, um, fossils, man, fossils, fossils. <laughs> but uh, I, I got a hold of him, and he said, "Yeah, man, I'll give you some tips." So I went down there and did some hovering for him, and he blew me out of the water. <laughs> yep, but, that uh, happened. That happened. So I got into competition. So I decided I entered my first competition in 2014. Uh, Mike was actually there with me from the beginning, uh, DePaulo. And um, this last year, was it this last year, Mike? Yeah. was a uh, first time for both Shaggy and you to enter into Nats, wasn't it? I was coerced. <laughs> yeah, I'd forced you to the local contest I hold, uh, Mike DePaulo. Oh, yeah, that one. That was the threat of grievous bodily harm. <laughs> and I was I didn't to threaten it, bodily I... harm. I didn't have a heli flying at the time. Yeah, uh, you know, that's the funny thing is, as we were looking back at your Nats results, I was trying to tell the difference, uh, Shaggy, between you were, when you were flying your 500 and your E7. And I'll oh, be honest, I, was it the 420? It was 420, yeah. I can't easily see uh, the result difference. The, I can't easily see where, 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 like, because the judges... The judges aren't judging on heli size. If they can see it, they're judging it. So, but that also, <laughs> I didn't have a hurricane force wind out of nowhere when I was flying the 420. But I did with the E7. That was so. fun. No, it wasn't. That was the only one that had that. <laughs> wind doesn't matter. I've I've found out. Yeah. Um, no bonus points. Judging the, when you're judging the precision in in the F3C and the and the and the AMA classes, the model. Um, uh, must stay over the cones despite the wind. The model could be hovering sideways as long as it's over those cones. Um, and so the, the, the user has to, the, the operator, the pilot has to control it through the wind. So, I mean, that's a, little, that's a little bit of background, but I'll get more in depth here in the competition. So in the United States, uh, you basically have like three different types of competition. And you'll see like F3C, which is precision. You'll see F3N, uh, Fox 3 November, and that one is precision freestyle. So they want to see precision in freestyle. And then you'll see like what um, XFC does in the United States or other events do around the world, which is a freestyle competition. Usually they have, you know, large lists of maneuvers and, and uh, they want to see they want to see a lot of this stuff in a big freestyle. But mainly for this one, we'll be talking about F3C and F3N. Uh, you know, additionally, as, as I was saying a bit ago, there's the three AMA classes and they are under F3C. So they're precision as well. And they are uh, AMA class one sportsman, AMA class two advanced and AMA class three expert. Um, 
talking with the Urcha board. Um, there's going to be a little bit of movement this year. Should be for those of us flying in the higher AMA classes. So I'm looking forward to seeing announcements on that one. As um, the maneuvers have been pretty static for the AMA classes, and they're still challenging, no matter if they haven't been updated, but they're still challenging. I think uh, Shaggy could attest to that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fun, but very challenging. Yeah. Um, A lot of people ask me about model size uh, when they first start out. And uh, Shaggy, I mean, what model sizes were you flying with, or what model sizes did you see out there? Uh, well, mainly what you saw out there was mostly 700s or 750 range. That's the majority that you that I saw out there. Yeah. And then you flew what size? Uh, started with a 420. Yeah. Yeah, you the smallest one out there. <laughs> and uh, what size you what what size heli were you flying, Apollo? For what the uh, the slimmer competition? Yeah, at Nats. The oh at Nats. Yeah. Five. Yeah, you're flying 600, weren't you? Yep. Yep. So. The interesting thing is the judges need to be able to see the model. So as you know, the Goblin 420 was actually really visible. <laughs> um, so one guy, you know, definitely Shaggy flew that and he was judged fairly. Um, yeah, most everyone gets to 700 size alleys. A few guys are swinging 720 to 750 millimeter blades. There are more detailed rules about blade sizes, but for the most part, if you show up with... You know, a 500 to a 700 class heli, you're, you're well within the rules. I will add that the the 420, I actually felt very comfortable with that helicopter, uh, despite being very small and still a little twitchy. Uh, it was, I mean, when you dial dial the settings down, it, it was actually a really suitable helicopter for, for that class, or at least the, the sportsman class. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a big thing about the sportsman class is uh, from a judging perspective, you're not looking to scare guys away. Love to see new guys come and try it out. So, um, you know, it's 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 not like if you don't show up with the latest, greatest thing, uh, you're, you're going to be turned away. I know some of the guys who've been around the competition longer, for instance, at Nats 2016, um, one of the competitors actually brought an older fly bar model out. And um, for most every year, this was the first year I didn't see it, but for most every year, at least one person brought a nitro out and was flying nitro. Actually, hey, Mike, in scale, wasn't there uh, some nitro? There was some nitro. Yeah. There was some nitro. I'm so tempted to use an N7 for Nats again. <laughs> Go for it. I'm going to be that guy. You're going to be that guy. You know, the funny thing is, a few of the guys wouldn't mind because the nitro exhaust slickens up the, the one-meter circle that we're landing in. And uh, some of the guys like that. It's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everyone talks about how nitros are unreliable. Mine's never flamed out in like three years. You know, I, I think one of the challenges is just dealing with that density altitude. Oh, well, yeah, that depressing thing again. Yeah. <laughs> and now I'm sad. <laughs> Um, so there is, you know, I should have probably pulled it up before, but I know there is a maximum weight for helicopters. Oh yeah, there's that. There's always that. I thought I remember it being something somewhat absurd, like 15 pounds, like fairly yeah, heavy. It was pretty heavy. 
Yeah, for model weight, the maximum weight allowed for a model is 14.33 pounds. Oh, it's close. It's actually a conversion over from kilograms being FAI's a, a, a European organization for the and, and, and doing for the world. It's in kilograms. It's 6.5 kilos. So there's a maximum weight. You know, I, I, I asked the guys, you know, in, in, in years past or even decades past, they've some guys have actually put lead in their skids to get themselves up near maximum weight. Um, it gets a better hovering model. <laughs> More stability. Um, you know, another question that comes up pretty often is fly bar or fly barless. Um, you know, F3C actually, it was 2014 was officially allowed. And I think 2013 was provisional, but I wasn't there for that year. But yeah, since 2014, Fly barless has been allowed, and they're competing right alongside the fly bars. So there's no separate classes. It's fly barless versus fly bar. If 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 actually guys showed up with it, but most everyone's flying fly barless. Uh, the one thing in the rules is you can't use GPS systems or like uh, self leveling. See you later, DJI fans and fans. <laughs> um, we've joked. Love to see someone use it because. The hovering is is so precise that uh, those those systems just um, they're not keeping it as as solid as as a, a well tuned machine. Any other model specifics you guys like to add? Uh, I'm good. I just think no, I'm good. Good. Okay. Cool. Uh, things to practice. So. Shaggy, what would you say? What would you say you practicing for for competition? So uh, I'm in the sportsman class, and what I've been practicing was uh, there's a set of hovering maneuvers and a set of flying maneuvers. Uh, I've seen the practice more on the hovering maneuvers because the hovering you know it's got to get more precise, uh, keeping that the model stay steady, especially if you have any kind of wind. Uh, it's, it's extremely challenging, especially if your model isn't quite tuned for the application. As I experienced that a little bit as I was just starting, not really sure where the to get my um, my my settings adjusted at. So I definitely am working more on the the hovering maneuvers, uh, the flying maneuvers. You know, you can really you, you know, of course I still practice those more, but you know that you have a forward motion, uh, and also it's in a much larger uh, area. Or airspace, so they're able to. You're able to um, really smooth those out a lot more, like uh, certain loops and, and stall turns. You can really make them look clean fairly easily. But the hover maneuvers—that's that's one thing that I uh, take more time to practice than anything. Yeah, yeah, that's a good thing. Um, yeah, because you you were flying, you know, the AMA Sportsman class. How about uh, DePaulo? What have you been practicing? Being you competed in F3M last year. Oh, that other thing I was coerced into. Okay. Um, <laughs> this man laughs, but who who was it? It wasn't Phil. It was someone else. Oh, I can't remember his name. Old man, old man 3D? No, it wasn't Old Man 3D. It was. Oh, well, I can't remember his name. It's one of your buddies who always does FAI with us and comes down to our field. Oh, Eaton. Wasn't Eaton. Oh. I didn't get accosted by a cop. Oh, was, Rob uh, McCullen? Nope, wasn't him. Why oh, can't I remember his name? Middle-aged. Charles? Uh, it wasn't fine. Was he doing Thunder Tiger? Oh, Why can't I can't remember his name. It's going to drive me nuts. I forgot his name. Dude. His name he is did, Tim. He did, he came, he did he Nats came, with us? Yes, and he came to the your event. His name was Tim, right? Well, there was the McCullens, there was Eaton, there was you, me. 
Ernie. Ernie. You're going to make me go dig up my own res- uh, my own <laughs> event results, dude. <laughs> I, I know okay. you're talking about. I can't remember All his right. name. I thought his name was Tim. I don't know. Like, it wasn't Tim. Oh, okay. It's going to drive me nuts. I can't remember his name. Point being, dude man walks up to me while we're laying out the flags and everything for FAI and hand me, hands me a contestant ticket. Like, congratulations, you're doing F3N. <laughs> I was just like, what? <laughs> Like, I have zero practice. I have no idea what song. I, I literally, Montel Staley, I picked my song for F3N while we were walking down the Urchin main line. Oh, yeah, and dude. All the was, songs. Oh, yeah, Paper Planes. Charles loved that. <laughs> oh, man. He's like, your flying was very good, but I'm going to stab you if you use that song again. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to do Snoop Dogg next year. You know, I'm thinking I'm willing to get shanked by the president of Virtue. I'll, I'll roll those dice. That was a fun song. <laughs> that was actually good. <laughs> shanked by the president of Virtue. That's a good headline. Someone get Chris McCulley on that. Uh, something fun to practice. Uh, I was looking at sideways pirouetting loops where as it's looping, you're also flipping. So you can imagine you're, pirou- you're pirouetting sideways loop and you're going inside and outside loop and every time you do that you reverse the tail. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm following. Uh, uh, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit of a tongue twister, that one. Yeah. <laughs> I do this and I do this and I move the sticks around here and it becomes that. Yeah, I'd be like, like imagine a pirouetting loop, right? And then every half pyro flipper what you would do oh, is you're, you're flipping about. through it as you're doing the loop is this is this something you're going to do in your freestyle or something you want to do for your it's set a, maneuvers it's a freestyle thing i don't even think it is a set maneuver yeah so i it's definitely a I freestyle just, thing i just downloaded um i just downloaded the updates the updates for 2018 from fai for for f3n and f3c um so it's it's good to keep up with it and yeah there is new maneuvers there there was a few added and there was also, a uh, clarification on some of the maneuvers because I know some of them we looked at and go, "No, that's just wrong. You, you did it wrong." It's like <laughs> that's how we understood it. It's like, "Yeah, well, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong." <laughs> and some oh, some of the guys have gone back and re- revisited their set maneuvers. Um, that heated 2016. What is a galaxy? That was fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's it is one of the challenges for the F3N is just the maneuver description and the picture. They, it doesn't help. They actually are officially right that the description is authoritative over the picture. Yep, yep. It doesn't help, too, that we're doing this, and besides Jamie and Nick, most of the guys have never really sat down and tried to judge 3D flying. It's uh, kind of a whole new world for everybody. It is It is a new world for everyone. It most definitely is. Um, it most definitely is uh, a new world for everyone. And the surprise for a lot of 3D guys is... Nah, man, it, it's got to just do more than look kind of like the maneuver. You actually have to, like, draw the line through it. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, this is precise 3D. Yeah. TikToks better be perfect. <laughs> like, we saw a couple of guys who I undersold myself. I was like, man, I'm not going to be able to do this. And Monty just told me in the hotel room the one night, it's like, quit being a puss and do it. <laughs> uh, we had a couple of guys had to back down just because the moves they were trying to do didn't quite look right. And by taking the lower one that they could do perfect, they were able to get more points out of it. 
Yeah, that was that was interesting. I know for myself when it comes to the F3N set maneuvers, there's there's a large list. I want to say it's 40 maneuvers, 4-0. And you have to choose eight of them. And um, in 2016, the first year that F3N was run officially in the USA for Nats, uh, I chose easier maneuvers that had a lower K value. And the K value is a multiplier when you actually have to do the math. And um, I was getting decent scores, but I, I wasn't I wasn't um, I wasn't very competitive amongst the others because once the multiplier came in, they were they were running away, and I was I was sitting there with a the score. So I know like um, uh, between rounds, I I switched out some maneuvers and started choosing more difficult maneuvers. I couldn't fly them as cleanly, but the multiplier actually helped my score, and and I. I um, I started getting my score higher and be more competitive amongst the guys, um, which was to me made me happy. I, I I'll nerd out a lot of math on the back end and start doing averages and start figuring out where the weak spots are at and and trying to raise averages up so that you know I, I'm more of a competitive guy. Um, I know when you're when you're at like Nick and Jamie's level, they're they're choosing the hardest eight out of 40 maneuvers and that's pretty much what they're they're working with because it's the hardest maneuvers that have the best score but to the practice uh i think a few other areas to fill in on the practice was uh was there's the hovering and the aerobatics for f3c and the ama classes and those routines there's the freestyle routine and there's a music routine um i find myself listening to uh so for hovering aerobatics i find myself in F3C and the AMA classes, there's in, in the AMA classes there's three hovering maneuvers and five flying maneuvers. In F3C there's two hovering maneuvers and six flying maneuvers. If memory serves me right. So I like to put a little more weight in my aerobatic maneuvers because that's more a score. So I was like when I first started practicing, I was practicing the aerobatics. Um these days, I know 2016, Mike and I, we, we went crazy, and I think there's actually pictures of it that uh, Jenny caught of, um, remember the call sheet for the for the freestyle routine, Mike? Mm, I believe so, yeah. <laughs> Wait, are you talking about the rally notes thing? Yep. Oh, yeah, that was good. Yeah, we sat down on an afternoon, and, and basically I, I went through maneuvers, and, and I wanted to move around in the area that's that's judged, and made the maneuvers and, and go out there and do it. So sometimes I find myself pulling that routine back and, and and going back through that stuff. But when you get to music, it's not so easy. So um, I'd actually, uh, you know, I've asked some others and there's there's other, there's things out there to look for because um, they're not necessarily looking for you being perfectly in time with your music. The mood also has to fit the flying style. So it's it's about you know feeling does a does the flying style match what the music is is putting out. So it's it's always fun to try and find music to fly to and and um, uh, I know one thing I I'd asked and one of the guys just just straight up told me put a song on and fly if 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 you don't want to edit music and everything else just put a song on and fly. I've done it for two years and it's a. Uh, I've been perfectly happy with it, and uh, I've been learning to edit music because <laughs> um, I'm looking to improve that in the coming years. But I, you know, my desire to compete was stronger than my desire to edit music. Guys, have anything else for practice? Uh, uh, no, I think we're good at the moment. For a practice, yeah, yeah, I, got, I 
can't think of anything. I think another thing I'll add in there for practice is um, for hovering maneuvers, if you, once you lay out the actual course, because it's all pre-measured, when you're practicing at home, it's good to have a friend come help you sight in for hovering maneuvers. So, um, for instance, the center circle is, of course, centered with you, the pilot, when you're flying. But the flags that are off to the left and right of the circle are each five meters away from that center circle. So uh, have a friend stand five meters to your left or five meters to your right and go hover over that cone or flag in front of them and have them, and have them give you verbal commands to put you over the cone because you'll be surprised when you think you're over that cone, um, you'll have your friend cite you in and, and tell you where to move the heli until it actually is over that cone. And you'll be surprised uh, the heli isn't in the place you thought it was to actually be over the cone. How far do you stand back from the center circle? Uh, you know, I, uh, I count it out with steps. So if someone's measured out the circle, because the pilot stands in a two-meter circle, the helicopter is taken off and... Uh, flying, so the helicopter, you do you do your stuff over a one meter and a three meter uh, circle that's centered up with the pilot. And the pilot is actually nine meters back from that circle. I stepped it out, I counted my step count, so I'm actually 13 steps from it. If guys ever wondered why they see me, like, stop, stop with my heli in my hand and then walk out a specific, like, very specific amount of steps, it's because I am. I really am. Um, I walk out 13. I walk my heli out 13 steps from me every time I go to take off for a beginning of a flight, and that's also the area I'm aiming for in my auto rotations. On uh, on clubs like RCHO, where they have they they have their pads, um, you'll see me. I'll walk my heli out to the pad, and then I'll take 13 steps back from their pad for the nine meters, so that um, I'm always the same place away. That was that was something I. I um, I talked to one of the guys in the higher classes and I was, I was basically, I was like, I'm having, I'm having trouble landing in that circle for auto rotations. Like I could do autos cleanly, but getting in that circle is a challenge. And he said, well, are you, you taking off and landing from the same spot every time? I was like, well, no, I'm not. And he's like, well, step it out, figure it out. So yeah, it's uh it's nine meters back. Um, and yeah, have a friend sight you in over those, over those flags on the hovering areas and on the circle. Um, also, on a calm day, you and him, um, I know I've done it, you know, it's just the two of us out of the field. I've had a friend walk out, so they're in line with it to help cite me in to make sure I'm not forward of the circle. Because it's pretty easy to tell when you're back from it. But if being forward of the circle to, to get you a little bit back. Um, the other way to tell pretty easily where you're at is when you're in a hover over the circle, bring the helicopter straight down. Where it touches down... Yeah, that's pretty much where you're hovering at, and it was wrong. <laughs> if it didn't, if it didn't hit the one meter circle, um, I think the only other tip on that one meter circle is it's it's more important to hit that circle. So I would adjust the heli if I'm hovering it down, because your your only time you touch the circles in sportsman is when you're doing your hovering maneuvers and you hover over it, and you touch the circle every every uh, between the three flying maneuvers. It's more important to adjust the heli into the circle than it is to miss the circle. Missing the circle will count against you in points. I would rather get counted for adjusting the heli to hit the circle than miss the circle. Any other things on that? Mm, not really. I think you covered a lot of it. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, like I said. Um, so another thing I have listed in here is kind of what to expect if you visit a competition. A lot of guys don't know really what they're getting into. So how event, uh, how an event progresses, how points are given and, and rounds. Um, depending upon the size of the contest, uh, usually we'll go for um, like a minimum of, of three to five rounds, depending upon the size of the contest. I've been to smaller contests where we did three rounds. That way you can get you get points for two rounds and one round is tossed out. For like Nats, Nationals, when we do that in, in, in Muncie, that's a seven-round event. Um, that's a seven-round event and you're keeping six of the seven for the AMA classes. The F3C and the F3N guys have got a whole other thing going on. They'll fly seven times, but their scoring is more complicated and Eh, to be honest, I'm not going to get into that actual scoring here. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's, you're going to fly seven times. For smaller contests, usually with three to five events, we try, we, we will not try, we're looking to get it done in one day. So, uh, Adipala, you can attest it's a busy day. Yeah, a bit. <laughs> um, I can attest to that too. As a contester, yeah, as a contest director for a smaller contest, I, I find it's a, it's it's a keep to keep the guys moving, keep them going, cause they'll they'll, they'll their mind will wander off, and you got to get them up there flying. But yeah, so usually for like Nats, we'll do you know cut it out. They do three days. The first day will be usually they go to do three rounds, trying to get a lot done in one day. So you do three rounds, and the next day will be two rounds, and the last day will be two rounds. Smaller contests, as I say, you know three to five rounds one day. Blasting it through from from eight a.m. till sunset. Points. So, with with events usually, so they, there's three judges. They sit in pre-measured spots behind the pilot. Um, every maneuver that they every maneuver is judged on a scale of zero to ten. A pilot starts out with ten, and as he uh, doesn't make the maneuver look good, he's deducted points. How bad, how bad the pilot made it look will will uh, be directly reflected in the score. <laughs> um, so uh, from that, you know, if you only get three judges for smaller contests, you only get three judges. All three judges are gonna their score is gonna go in for your for your total score. For a larger event like nationals, um, usually you'll have five judges, and uh, the high and low judge are are. Uh, taken out and they take the uh, the three judges with the scores in the middle um, just to get you know better averages um, but yeah the points are given and then you'll basically see um, after that the points are given and then after that they do uh, they do some math what is that piece of math called I actually have it in Excel formula and I just had it open like a mean average or something like that normalized uh. Yeah, do math as normalized on a thousand point scale. So if you fly perfectly, if you fly perfectly, it's like if you were to fly perfect and get 10 points for every judge for every maneuver, you would get out, you would come out with, um, they would come out with 240 points for like sportsman guys. So yeah, they would come away with 240 points. So then that's normalized against everyone's scores. So then the, the guy who did the best at round will get a thousand points. And the next guy from there, um, gets, gets points in there because the scores are normalized. So yeah, it's it's important to look at it between rounds, and if you can, is to get points. Uh, get it. Get, get look at your look at your scores 
from the judges of your of your actual uh, maneuvers in F3C and even F3N to see what the judges like and don't like. Because you can you can start to see with three judges who are at pre-measured locations, you can start to see they didn't like something on your right side, they didn't like something on your left side, they didn't like something centered, or they just outright don't like a maneuver. And you can see that, that you know, oh yeah, I remember in that round I... I missed all the flags. <laughs> I wasn't centered when I was doing my aerobatics. Or if like an F3N with a freestyle routine, if, if, if all of it's done off your left shoulder, you're going to get hit. You know, they want to see you use left, center, right, you know, high, low, far, not far, far, but a bit out and a bit in. They want to see, you know, all that 3D space used. What else you guys got about, you know, how 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 the event moved through, how to progress, especially considering like Mike, you've been there all years with me and Shaggy. It was your first year last year. For just how the, just how the competition went, how it progressed. Uh, and I mean, in my case, I was just tagged along the whole time until I was finally pushed into it. And I think we basically strong armed Shaggy into doing it with us. Well, that's something that I actually was. Uh, I don't know. Rob's been kind of like nagging me about it about trying it out and honestly it, it was uh it was quite enjoyable um you know actually you just talked about the normalize uh normalizing uh scores and that actually makes a lot more sense to me now yeah because that was uh very confusing at first but now i definitely understand it a lot better yeah for those for those who might be familiar with using microsoft excel i actually have full items uh, for all the math so there's actual formulas for for <clears throat> normalizing and getting all the points together um it's pretty fun that's <laughs> pretty fun once you actually see the math it becomes a lot more understandable i know i know for like nats they actually have an application written by a guy who used to compete and he actually comes out still and hangs out with us he actually wrote an app um i'd say you know the other thing and how rounds progress is um Every pilot has a caller. Callers either, like for F3N, they'll call out each maneuver for set maneuvers, or they will call beginning and end of the routine. So when they begin and when they end. Um, for for F3C and the AMA classes, they're going to call the beginning and end of every round. I know like Mike and I, because we usually callers for each other for F3N, knowing that... Um, if you're going to crash a model, like if, if you know an auto's going bad or you know you're not going to hit the circle, <laughs> Mike and I have a standing thing. Call it, call it complete before you'll call the call the routine done before the model smacks. So they'll get they'll get their score as is. Because <laughs> you get zero if it goes in. But yeah, so between the rounds, um, you know, guys will help ask you to help come call for them. If they don't have a caller or. You know, a lot of times, yeah, uh, tag a friend, go together and call for one another. And if you can, practice with one another. I know, um, you know, I mentioned him earlier, Old Man 3D, uh, Phil oh, and Chris, yeah, uh, Chris um, you know, talked to them and they came out last year first time and they called for one another on everything, which is good because they also fly with each other. Um, and they were able to get things down because there's also timing things that go on for maneuvers. If a maneuver starts, you know, five or 10 meters before center, um, you know, you call her, 
has to have enough, you know, has to have a, he has to see that it's, it's getting there and call it for you. Or perhaps you give him a, a and you'll say, hey, man, call it, and he'll call it, and, you know, starting and ending in maneuvers. So it's good to have a spotter otherwise, but I, don't worry about it. I would say any one of us, if you get to a contest, will happily call for you. Um, you don't have to bring you don't have to bring somebody. But make sure you, you're, you stay in communication with that caller and call <laughs> the maneuvers at the right proper time because they're just going to sit there and like, okay, call when you're ready. If you don't call it... Uh, when you're ready, then you may be halfway into the move over before they actually call it. Yeah, I know. Um, there's there's people I definitely know I I will happily have call for me, and there's people that um, uh, you know, <laughs> just don't have them call for me. Um, either you know, there's usually some reasons. Maybe they're not quite loud enough, or um, they don't know the maneuvers I'm flying. So they're 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 looking through the call sheet and not quite very familiar with it, um, and that's that's a helpful thing is to print out your maneuver list, uh, print it out so you have something to hand a caller so they can call for you, or even at the field if you got a friend at the field, have a call list, have them stand next to you and call out the maneuvers. And make sure they go down to the the right order of uh, the you know kind of explain the maneuvers that you're going to do in order so they'll be able to look like is it going to be is the layout like vertical or is it horizontal. So they'll be able to call out the right maneuver uh, before you actually do it. That way they don't call the wrong maneuver and you're doing a completely different maneuver. I've had that happen. Yeah, I know. Um, DePaulo one year, I was in the aerobatic portion of an A. Uh, I think it was AMA Class 2 when I was flying the uh, year before last. He actually called out the wrong maneuver uh, before he started. And the interesting thing is when a maneuver is not started, you're not being judged. And I, uh, I I yelled out, no, wrong maneuver. This is the next yeah, maneuver. I didn't hit start. <laughs> yeah, as long as he didn't hit start, um, yeah, you can fly You can fly around and make sure it's right. The timer's still counting against you because every round has a maximum time. But no. Um, it's, it's pretty long time. It is and it isn't. It's like eight minutes, right? Yes. For, for most of the classes, the time is eight minutes. Um, for AMA classes. Um, uh, for like sportsmen, you get eight minutes to do your eight maneuvers. Um, what I usually find is you want to model. That's one of those things when you look at your model is is go out there and do the maneuvers and see what kind of battery capacity you have left. Because if you get all the maneuvers done in like three and a half minutes, that's usually not a very well-scored round. There was too much movement. You moved too fast. You know, it's it's pretty normal. I remember when I was flying sportsmen, I'd usually finish... After five and a half minutes, and usually between like six and seven, um, for sportsmen, I find I usually finish between seven, seven and a half minutes. Um, and as you get into the upper classes, you get a little more time depending upon the class you're in. But the big thing there is uh, I usually take uh, more time hovering than I do flying aerobatics, so it's not too abnormal to actually take, you know, four, four minutes, maybe even five minutes to do the three hovering maneuvers, and then the aerobatics just go real fast. (laughs) Um, They go real fast, and the other thing is, is you don't need to run your head speed at Mach 10 when you're doing hovering. 2700! (laughs) So... 
you can, you know, if you have a model and you go out there and test it and, and you're not able to get eight minutes of flight out of it, well, if it's a 700, turn your head speed down to 14 or 1500 and do your hovering maneuvers. It'll still fly. And then turn your head speed up till yeah, um, it'll, it'll fly. It'll fly really well. And then turn your head speed up for your aerobatics and see what you come down at. You'll be surprised. You'll get, you know, uh, it'll hover. It'll hover at a lot more stable. It'll you not know, be so twitchy. And then you're going to come down with more battery life. I actually find that I can fly like a whole, the whole sequence twice on one battery. Um, or if I'm just practicing the hovering, I can hover. I can do just a hovering practice for like 12 to 15 minutes. Just hovering maneuvers. Yeah, when I when I did uh, with my E7 and Z at, at Nats, uh, I was flying with 4400s. I my 5000s were destroyed in a in a uh, <clears throat> crash. Uh, but I was flying with 40, <laughs> old 4400s that I had, and I was able to do the the whole. I mean, I would fly for about six and a half seven minutes to do my whole uh, my whole maneuvers, and I'll still come down with like 50 percent on my battery. I mean it. That's with forty four hundreds and a seven hundred size helicopter. Yeah, yeah. I um, I can actually do. I don't do it, but it's pretty common for me to come back with uh, near storage charge after a round. I oh, won't yeah. fly two. I won't fly two rounds of one battery or a single charge, but um, because that would be too far. But yeah, I usually come back uh, above storage voltage. Yeah, you're not working the model. You're not putting a lot of amps through the through the speed control or anything uh it, it you're, you're really light on it so it's just uh just enough head speed to keep it in a stable hover and then when you're doing your fly maneuvers just enough to be able to get some decent speed to let and let the momentum uh carry you through the maneuver yeah um i will say for head speed um if you just if you just straight out do the math you'll start finding if you get the head speed low enough the, the fly bars controller is going to be um less able to correct um, when it's a very dead calm, you know, like the golden hour everyone talks about where everyone likes to try right there at dusk, usually you have no wind, you'll find that a low head speed is, is epically awesome. But, um, uh, well, well, in the saying of the Marine Corps, if it ain't raining, we ain't training. Um, so when it comes to helicopters and precision, if it isn't windy, uh, there's no bother. There's no reason to fly. Um, when it comes to Muncie, Indiana weather, it's always windy. So, oh yeah, <laughs> it's always windy. Sometimes so, it's a, a hurricane force wind that comes out of freaking nowhere. There is, there is rules about the wind and how, how long it, it, it how, how steady of a breeze it has to be sustained in order for the contest to be uh paused or a lightning bolt <laughs> which yeah. honestly that was really cool literally halfway through my loop and that lightning bolt straight down the middle of my loop that was cool yeah but that lightning was very far away oh yeah <laughs> yeah but it was still cool it was in the oh, middle yeah. of my loop even though that was a pretty uh rough round <laughs> Yeah, I know uh, we were talking about it a bit last week, but Mike's maiden of his N7, there was lightning in the background when he was flying, which is a really yeah, cool backdrop. That happened. <laughs> um, but yeah, so usually for wind, uh, you know, one of the ways it helps solve it is I usually pump up the RPM about 100 RPM. You'll find an RPM. You'll find an RPM that um that works well for you in hovering in the wind. Um, I actually have my radio uh, program so that I have a... It's not a knob. It's it's a slider on the back of the radio. 
actually could slide it and it will actually it will it will raise up my governed rpm um, so that if i find it's windy and i'm just not getting the, the performance i want i can adjust it i can adjust it right then and there without having to you know plug in or land and stare into my radio programming um so that was one of the things I did because, and it's only active during hovering, but yeah, it was one of the things I did to make sure I get the, the head speed where I want it at for, you know, the conditions of the, of the round. <laughs> Any other things you guys want to add? Yeah. So what do you, what do you set for, um, for banks? Cause, um, cause what I, what I did, what I set up is I just had, um, in through the, the brain, uh, through the brain, I had three different, uh, bank switches and then I had three different rate switches. So what do you what do you normally set up for that, or would you recommend for setting up for your banks? You know, for a, a person new to competition, for the F, you know for the AMA classes, if you're an inner sportsman, I would recommend two banks. Um, one bank for hovering, and another bank for <clears throat> the aerobatics. That way. Um, you have somewhere to start with. From there, I would at least start out with two banks. From there, you can adjust other things like, you know, your dual rates or expo. Um, you can adjust, yeah, you can adjust other things like dual rate and expo. But I would start at least with a minimum of two banks. Um, that way, you have something you can dial in for aerobatics, and then something you can dial in for hovering. Um, for the F3N. <laughs> Uh, Mike and I, I think both of us, it's just a single bank. Uh, when, yeah, you were on a single bank, weren't you, DePaulo? Yeah, I mean, I'm not running anything special. Yeah. It's... I mean, there's banks with slightly different settings, but there's no, like, hovering bank or anything for me. Yeah, for F3N, it's, I'm running one bank. It's, it's, it's all 3D setup. I'll be honest, it's not too far away from a 3D, you know, my aerobatic setup. It's not too far away from my aerobatic setup. I think the biggest difference I have is um, my model I dedicate to F3N has a, a bit faster of a flip and roll rate. Um, tail rates are actually, mm, they're close to the same, but not identical. But flip and roll rate's a little faster in the F3N, a little slower in the F3C. Yeah, the eight maneuvers, the eight maneuvers in Sportsman, um, you know, three of them hovering, five of them, five of them flying. Uh, the last one is, uh, it's not so much a bank as like a flight mode or an idle up, you know, depending upon your radio's nomenclature. Um, I like that maneuver, like the last maneuver, because you, you're coming down into a hover. I like it at a lower head speed, um, but I'm still running, you know, a 3D bank. I'm just running a lower head speed. Uh, hovering, you'll find that for hovering, my, my gains are nearly maxed out. And that um, the model, I've, I haven't slowed down and docile. Uh, working with others, I found that I, I won't hand my heli over to people and let them try my hovering of my model. It's, it's downright scary. And even myself, like, if I, if I my, my 2014 self couldn't fly my 2017 setup. Um, it's, it's learned as you keep progressing through it and you get more and more stable and, and get the model set up. Um, yeah. Does that help answer the question, Shaggy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that helped a lot. What do we got next? <laughs> next item is events. So competition events um, <clears throat> around the U.S. 
So I actually have five events listed here. The main one is the event in Muncie, Indiana. It happens a few days before the Urchit Jamboree. Um, and it is the AMA's Helicopter Nationals. Um, happens a few days before Urchit Jamboree. Um, I think all three of us, we head out early. Uh, get out there early and then uh, do a little bit of practicing. You know, we get out there early on Saturday, get a flight in just because we can fly on a Saturday and we're a Muncie and we're so excited. And it's 9 o'clock and there's still sunlight? It's 9 o'clock there's still sunlight. <laughs> I love that. Um, it is really nice. Um, Sunday it, for Nats is a is a practice day and a setup day, so we'll go out there and start drawing out the, the area and setting up the posts and everything. Um, Monday morning is when the contest starts, but the pilots, let me go back, the pilots meeting is Sunday evening for Amy Heli Nats for the Nationals. It's Sunday evening. Um, Monday morning, 8 a.m., contest is pretty much be ready to fly. Um, as, if the fog is out, the sun is proper, be ready to fly, 8 a.m. <laughs> the next event is in Nashville, Tennessee, the Music City Championships. Uh, that event is usually, I want to say, June-July time frame. Um, I've actually, I'll, I'll probably pass word of when they, I get some dates from the guys who are going to hold the contest this year. But, yep, the Music City Championships in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, the event I help run in Fredericksburg, Virginia, the Mid-Atlantic Heli Championships. Um, that event is scheduled for June. And later on in the podcast, when we get to events, I'll actually give some dates for the Mid-Atlantic Heli Championships. The next event is the Fall Heli Classic. That event is typically in October in Triple Creek, or Triple Creek RC Field in Riverview, Florida. And... Um, uh, last event here on the list uh, is uh, the Precision Aerobatics Competition held at Seaview Rotor Ring in Brooklyn, New York. Um, good friend of ours, Eaton, uh, runs that event, and it's always fun to go. Uh, <laughs> it's always fun to go fly with uh, New York City in the background uh, behind you. <laughs> oh, really? That's you're cool. flying at a park, looking uh, out over, or over the bay. Um, so that's a fun event to go fly and uh, help open a precision, you know, precision mo- model helicoptering to, uh, to, new, to new people. Um, I'm always looking for other events. Uh, you know, a lot of times I, I knew myself, I was, I was helping to run events before I got to the competition. I went into the competition and once I understood the competition, I was like, I'm running a competition event, so... Um, if you want to start an event, give me a shout, and uh, I can definitely give you everything needed to help run an event. Uh, any other things you guys want to say on events? Mm, not really. I think I'm good. <laughs> I think I'm good, too. I mean, I could say some things I don't want to get in trouble, though. Uh, go for <laughs> it. I don't feel like getting in trouble and explaining things after the second after the second episode, or the first episode. Original, yeah, first official. Yeah. Well... We'll get there eventually. Yeah, let's at least get a few episodes in before they try and uh, arrest me and uh, shut ha- us down, to, like bail me out. <laughs> so uh, that was the main topic. Um, getting more towards closeout. I think one of the things uh, for closeout topics I usually cover. Uh, so I usually make a heli calendar early in the year, uh, January time frame. I can tell you all the events that I'm about to mention already have confirmed, sanctioned dates. 
Um, these are events actually that uh, one or all of us will actually be going to uh, this year. Um, so with no further ado, uh, the podcast may be out before this event happens or out just after it happens. And that event is the uh, RC Heli Hooligans Chill Out. Chill Out. <laughs> that one's actually planned here in January for the 12th through the 14th. It can't be um, as cold as it is now. Uh we were actually just talking with the guys about that this evening, about just how cold it'll be. and uh, You know, uh, two weeks out, it's looking hopeful. <laughs> yeah, though the, the RCHO was uh, pretty cold. So we'll see. Yep. Um, for all these events, more details can usually be found on RC Flight Deck, Facebook, or if you go to the AMA's website and look for sanctioned events, you can find the official contact info for, you know, the club's website or or the CD if you want to call them. Um, the next event, non-flying, is uh, AMA Expo East in Secaucus, New Jersey, uh, February 23rd through 25th. I know last year um, I was there. Uh, the Urcher organization had a uh, had a booth. We're out greeting people and uh, you know talking with folks, and it was actually a really fun time um, talking with the Urcha folks again as to what's going to all be set up. But uh, I'm planning to be there on a Saturday, and I'm looking to drag someone with me. <laughs> me, probably, maybe. Um, next event, I actually just saw the dates get thrown up today. Uh, it's a it's a one day event, uh, March third. It is the Cabin Fever event in. Uh, Graham, North Carolina, at the uh, Barks RC Club. Um, I went to it last year. Good, good group of people. It's Mar- or it's February. It's a you know it's a single day event, so <laughs> it's not that far for us here in Virginia to go travel to that one. Um, after that is uh, Heli Spring Fling. Um, spring Fling. Spring Fling. <laughs> uh, you know the dates are already confirmed for that one. It is uh, May second through the sixth. Um, in Thornburg, Virginia. I know it's an event, um, you know, I help run, Mike helps, both Mike's help, and usually all of us are there along with tons of other people. Um, you know, recent news was, uh, you know, Justin Pucci and the other guys from, uh, IMSHFA, Model Helicopter Speed Flying Association, are coming out. They're going to do the drag racing like, uh, like they did at OHB, uh, just a few weeks ago. (laughs) <laughs> I'm gonna go fast. Um, I did. Yeah, I was actually. Uh, I'm actually thinking about uh, prepping a model to go fast with as well. I want to try it so badly. Um, and I think an extra an extra part of that that was opened up was um, there will be a five dollars uh, five dollars for entering into the speed. To my understanding. Yeah, there'll be a five dollar um, uh, basically five dollar extra fee off top of the um, the registra- registration fee. fee. Yep. Yep. Uh, and basically, what they were uh, or what what they're what they're doing is not mainly for people that are, you know, that know about speed or that has a specific speed model. This is literally for anybody who wants to just kind of learn about the speed, uh, speed heli flying, and want to give it a shot. So this could be for any person, any size model, anything. It's for all just to ha- have fun and fly really fast. Yeah, have fun, fly fast. Go fast. Gotta go fast. Gotta go fast. Ricky Bobby. Ricky Bobby. Ricky Bobby. Um, 
Next event up is uh, March 18th through the 20th. That's a bit more of a local event here in Virginia, and it is the uh, Heli Domination um, held in Fluvanna. Um, that's an event I'm planning to go to and uh, probably drag some folks with me. Um, fun group of friends down there. Uh, after that, uh, the next event after that is actually the same club. It's a fundraiser. It's a single-day event. They do a fundraiser for their local animal shelter. Um, to help take care of the animals down there. It's actually a car show model, car show model show and everything. <laughs> well, that's cool. So yeah, it's uh, the Paws event at the same club in uh, Palmyra, Virginia. After that, the Mid Atlantic Heli Championships. Um, as I was saying earlier, the actually the dates for that is uh, June fifteenth and sixteenth. Friday is a practice day. Come out, practice. Um, you know, if it's your first time, come on out, and I will give you all the hope in the world. Um, it's also the day I set up the course. And Saturday, the contest actually begins. So the contest begins and end on Saturday. Um, also, uh, if you just want to come out and help, I love help on that one because there's there's scoring help I need and all sorts of things. We got to move. We got to move uh, uh, shade around, and we move from the front to the back line and. Use the whole day to get all five rounds in. Um, after that is uh, AMA Heli Nats. So that is um, July 30th through August the 1st. And, uh, you know, sign up for Heli Nationals is a bit different than other events. If you want to sign up, you need to call the AMA and uh, tell them I want to sign up for nationals, and they'll t ask you what classes you want to sign up for, and you can pay them over the phone with uh, with a major credit card. Um, that's I had how you a sign hard up experience for with that. <laughs> yeah, um, I'll I'll probably give some feedback this year in past years to try and and to try and get more people to try it out to try a competition. They've uh, they've waived entry fee for Nats if you were coming to Urcha. So it, I'll, I'll make some noise and see if they're going to do that again. And if they are, spread some word early on that one so that guys like Shaggy don't run into uh, challenges. <laughs> challenges. So many challenges. And that wasn't yeah, even flying. That's, that's my, that's my That's my politically correct consulting term for... Uh, <laughs> a lot of communication between him and, and uh, the CD for Nats, Mike Unger. So it's easy to contact him now and, and, and good friends now. All good. Oh, yeah. Um, You know, the interesting thing is the Urcha Jamboree actually begins the day that... Uh, Urcha Jamboree begins the day that Nats ends. And that was how Mike and I... <laughs> That's how that picture got taken of me last year, and I'll get to that in a moment. But um, yeah, the Urcha Jamboree, uh, the the date should be August first through August fifth for the Urcha Jamboree. Urcha. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, last event I have on the calendar of sanctioned dates. Sanctioned dates is the Fall Heli Mowdown, again in Fredericksburg, uh, September twenty eighth through September thirtieth, a three day event, and yeah, we'll probably all be there. Oh yeah, yep, yep. Basically, listing off events that um, we're going to one or one or you know one or all of us will be at. If you got events that you think we can travel to, usually it comes down to within five hundred miles of the Virginia area. Give us a shout. Tell us about it. 
Um, I know a lot of times I usually go over to the AMA calendar. I was there today, and I, I filtered their, their event sanctions by helicopters in all 12 months of the year. And uh, there's already, I think, about eight events listed up there for around the U.S. Yeah, quite a bit. Yeah. Um, I, am, I am looking for dates on other events I go to, like uh, Music City Championship, looking for that one, CV Rotor Wings Precision Contest, and then Dragonfly. An event I usually go to down in uh, East Bend, North Carolina at the Rams Club. So as those ones pop up, I'll definitely fill them in. Also looking for dates for like uh, my friends at RCHO. Um, yeah, so to bring something full circle from the beginning of the podcast, Mike was mentioning the picture. Last year they decided, uh, Urcha, Urcha staff decided that we would do our last round of F3N, which was set maneuvers in front of center stage at Urcha on Thursday. And, uh, uh, of course, me being a caller for Mike, um, Oh yeah. <laughs> me being caller for DePaulo, I, I went out there and did my calling and Jenny caught me in a photo as I was yelling out uh, a maneuver. And so I've got a very, fairly funny picture in the, uh, he's got that old face, man. Got the old face. Oh yeah. Um, and also, uh, 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 Nick Johnson, who was out there with a microphone, uh, found out that I am loud enough that a microphone is not needed. I don't need a megaphone. I've got a Monty. <laughs> yes. And if you want to know what that uh, that catalog is, it has a picture of the fireball on it. December 17th, volume 43, number 12. <laughs> uh, can't you do like every... Everyone else, and just give your uh, model aviation magazines to the dentist. <laughs> no, man, yeah, I, I gotta keep here. Have, we need a contest. We can make the best picture, of Monty. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Calling an hour clinic is gonna be top five. <laughs> um, what else is there? Oh yeah, for this year, uh, for F3N, the last round will be done center stage at Urcha, and it will be music. It'll be the music round, music freestyle round. Oh god. Um. <laughs> yep, yeah, it'll be the music freestyle round, which was something we were asking for last year, and will basically require I call the beginning and end. But uh, everything else is all pilot. Am I doing that again? Yes, you are. Yep. Oh yeah. And right, instead of uh, doing pa- instead of doing paper airplanes, you're gonna do Snoop Dogg. Yes. <laughs> yes. Smoke weed it, every it, day. It, Charles, smoke weed. <laughs> while while our podcast can be explicit, it, uh, it it is it is a professional rule not to put swear words in the music you fly to uh, center stage. Is it's the censored or, version, or for heli nationals? Is, is there a censored version of that song? That's the one I have. I got the remix censored version. Look at that. We're good to go. Yes. <laughs> Calling it now. I'm going to get shanked by the president of Urcha. Oh. Last year was I'll a threat. Be- this year's a real deal. <laughs> <laughs> Charles is crazy, man. I don't put it past him. Uh, I put the bet that he runs you over. The golf, like cart. golf cart. <laughs> like, that doesn't happen already. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to become a number. going to become a number. Um, golf carts. Before I fully close this out, you guys got any other comments uh, on anything? Um, you should do no, a bet. I'm good. <laughs> so to uh, to 
contact us, go ahead and reach us out right now on Facebook uh, through either a private message or post it up on our Facebook page at uh, Telerotor, facebook.com slash Telerotor. Uh, you can reach us, and uh, you can also reach us on podbean.com. It'll be actually uh, telerotor.podbean.com. Or you can reach us, and you can leave a show comments, or you can subscribe. From all of us at Telerotor RC Podcast, thank you for listening, and we look forward to seeing you on the field. You can find us online at facebook.com at Telerotor RC Podcast. On Podbeam, search Telerotor, or email us at telerotor at gmail.com.